This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, welcome to Green Talk Radio. This is your host, Sean Daly. On today's program, we'll be talking about water conservation and specifically about gray water systems. My guest today is Laura Allen. She's a Bay Area educator and environmental activist focusing in the areas of water conservation and specifically gray water systems. Laura has a BA in environmental science from UC Berkeley and a master's in education from the New College of California. She's the co-founder of the Gray Water Gorillas and co-editor of Damn Nation, Dispatches from the Water Underground. She's also co-author of the Gray Water, uh, excuse me, the Gorilla Gray Water Girls Guide to Water. That's very alliterative. <laughs> I had four G's there. Her writings can be found in Urban Wilds, Gardener Stories of the Struggle for Land and Justice, Clamor, and Home Power Magazine. She lives in the Bay Area and is an active gardener, elementary school teacher, and inspiring inventor. Gray Water Gorillas, the organization that she co-founded, is a collaborative group of educators, designers, builders, and artists who educate and empower people to build sustainable water culture and infrastructure. So, Laura, welcome to Green Talk Radio. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm, we're really glad to have you, and we've had a few missteps in getting you on the show uh, due to uh, on our side, and so I'm so glad to have you on because this is such an important and relevant topic these days. A lot of people hear about gray water systems as a method of water conservation and, and the way that our, our plumbing is designed in our homes and, and the way that just that our, our homes are designed in, in the U.S. in general uh, is not conducive to, to gray water and doesn't and, and except in the most sort of uh, eco hip uh, building uh, projects. You don't really see that. And so, you know, some of the obviously lead projects and such have tend to use gray water and. Um, some of the, you know, if you go out of your way, but you just don't get it by default. So people, I think, are very confused about it. And I thought I was hoping today that we would have a chance with you to learn a little bit more about what these systems are all about and uh, what people can be doing to, um, in terms of um, setting them up as well as the uses for them. So why don't we just start with the most basic of questions, which is what is gray water and how can people use it? Well, gray water is water from your sinks, showers, and washing machines. So it's water that hasn't ever contacted feces, so it's not the toilet, um, not washing diapers. It's just the water that's relatively clean. It's clean enough for plants, but it's you know not clean enough to reuse back in the house for anything else. Um, and as long as you're using ecological products that are safe for plants, you can send it straight outside and have it be a source of irrigation. Okay. And so what are, what are some of the challenges that have existed with people setting these systems up? Is it really more of like a sort of the, the, the plumbing tech side um, or are there legal issues or both? Well, there's both. You know, in some, some houses that are already plumbed, you know, the shower drain might go straight into a concrete foundation slab and then it's very difficult to, you know, re, to collect that water and send it outside. But in other situations, it's really, really simple. So it really is context specific. Um, the washing machine is almost always easy to reuse since it's not hard plumbed. You can just re, you know, take the hose out from the sewer connection and 
send it into, it's called a three-way valve, so it gives you the option of going to the sewer or septic or out to the landscape, and then it can be easily reused. So that's one of the most popular kinds of systems. Um, and then the legislative, or the, the legal barriers, you know, that really depends on where you live. In California, we've had a very restrictive code for the last 20 years, and that just changed you know, a couple, about a week ago. And now it's going to be much easier to reuse gray water legally. Um, it's, the code is kind of getting up to speed with some other states that have very friendly gray water codes, such as Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Right. And there, we've seen this issue too. I'd like to hear more about specifically what's changed there. Um, but I, we've seen this issue with things like we talk about, people talk about rain catching, right? You catch your rain, right? It's your rain, it's your water, right? It landed at your house. Well, it, as it turns out, there are certain places in the country, I believe, Salt Lake City or even Utah is one place where you actually don't own your own water, even if it lands on your property. Yeah, a lot of states that are on the Colorado River, the downward states actually own all the wastewater. So it comes out of the city and goes back into the river and then the next city down or if it's across the state boundary, they actually own the water. So people in places like Colorado have a much harder time because of the barriers with the laws. Is that right? Okay, so any other areas of the country that you know of that, that, that could be a challenge in? Um, there's a lot of, right, since a lot of these um, the technologies, I mean, they're very ancient, you know, there's thousands of year old technologies, but coming into, you know, into line with our codes and our modern building structures, it's a relatively new thing to be using in this um, society. And so there's a lot of places where there just aren't any codes at all, so it's not regulated. Um, most people, you know, do these things in their own homes, these simple systems, they do them without permits and they just kind of ignore the regulatory um, situation, but if people have to get permits, if they're doing new construction or remodels or if they're demonstration sites, then there can be a lot of barriers due to that. Uh, places like San Francisco, there was you know no rainwater, there's no rainwater code in the state of California, so San Francisco was very progressive in their approach, and they decided to figure out a way that they could promote rainwater reuse. And they all got together, the water suppliers, the health people, and the building people, and they created a memorandum of understanding which would guide how it could be done safely. And they did this because there was no code covering it. Whereas gray water is a little harder because, you know, for anyone in California, because the existing code is very restrictive, no one wanted to be more friendly or lenient towards gray water because the state was very restrictive. But now that has changed. So local, local, local jurisdictions are going to be able to really promote and help people reuse their water efficiently and safely. Taking a step back for a second, Laura, what, what are some of the basic reasons that gray water and the use of gray water is considered environmentally beneficial in the first place, just going back to why people should really even be thinking about this? Mm-hmm. Well, gray water, in, in the United States, most, in most places, half of our water use is used outside on our landscapes, and then half of it's used inside. And of course, that varies depending on the household and the lot size and you know, the urbanness of it. But that's kind of the general rule of thumb. And so that half of our water use that's used outside, there's no reason to be irrigating with potable water that we could be drinking. We could be irrigating with a slightly less, um, you know, clean water that's clean enough for plants. And gray water is a great source. So you're taking the water you use at one time, um, you know, washing your clothes, using ecological soap, and then that water, rather than sending it to the sewer, which takes a lot of energy and chemicals and, you know, environmental impact and expense to treat, we could just reuse it outside on site. So there's a lot less uh, infrastructure cost and the water doesn't have to be cleaned um, to the same level it does for other uses. 
Right. So, so what is it? Let's do, let's do a quick inventory of the, the list of things that people use water for in their house. Well, we have, we have laundry you mentioned. There's uh, the landscaping irrigation. That's something I, I assume that gray water is used most commonly for. Yeah. Um, and then we have obviously drinking water. We have water for uh, the toilets, for the, for the sink, for brushing your teeth and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of impact uh, can that can those have? I mean, what are we talking about in terms of conservation of water on a typical system? Well, first, before you know, thinking about gray water, it's really important to start with the conservation side first. So, there's tons of ways you can just cut back water use in general by getting low flow shower heads with the shutoff valve and really cutting your use in the shower down. With washing machines, you know, using full loads. If you need a new machine to enter the water efficient washing machines, that's a great way you know, turning off the sink when you're not using it, all those things are definitely the first step. And then after that, looking at the sources that are, it's possible to use and where you want to use it. In California, most people are using gray water for irrigation because we're in a drought. There's, you know, a lot of um, stresses on our water supply. So then it kind of depends on is it a new construction or, you know, what your plumbing setup is. So if you can only do one fixture like your washing machine, that can be between 10 and 20% of your water use. If you can do more, like washing machine plus showers plus sinks, then you can get up to you know cutting down your use by about half. Wow, that's significant. That, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I have a bunch more questions for you. We're going to take a break right here, and when we come back, I want to hear about some of what do you what you consider some of the household products that are still safe to use for those uses in, in these types of systems uh, to, to not pollute the water and uh, or make it unusable for these reuses. Uh, and uh, I want to hear about your workshops and some other things. So we'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Our guest today is Laura Ellen. She is an author and co-founder of the Greywater Gorillas, a collaborative group of educators, designers, builders, and artists who educate and empower people to build sustainable water culture and infrastructure. We'll be right back. Thanks, everyone. And we're back on Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly. We're talking today on gray water systems and water conservation. My guest is Laura Allen. She's an author and co-founder of the Gray Water Gorillas, which is a group of individuals who empower and educate people about building sustainable water culture and infrastructure. And uh, Laura is also uh, the uh, author of uh, a book called The Gorilla Gray Water Girl's Guide to Water. I want to hear a little bit before we go into anything else. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Well, that was a collaborative effort. Um, One of the many people worked on it. Um, And that was kind of our first publication when I was living with a group of people and we were trying to figure out how to reuse our gray water. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, about 10 years, 10 years ago, we put that out and it was a self-published magazine. So it's not really available anymore. The progression of that is an anthology called Damnation, Dispatches from the Water Underground. Oh, okay. And and is that, that's available now? I think. Yeah, that's available. And we're looking at the bigger, bigger picture water issues. So looking at, you know, access to clean water and rivers and how, uh, the way we've set up our society has been really environmentally damaging and that technology, you know, building giant dams has been exported around the world. So we're looking at how that affects people and what people are doing um, about that, trying to remove dams and fight against new dams being built. Right. And we connect all that with, you know, the water that flows through our houses. And I assume there are links to that, uh, to the book, The Damnation, is that on your site, The Gray Water yeah, Gorillas? Yeah, you can link to that. Okay, and yeah. great, I want to let everybody know, and I'll mention this again at the end of the broadcast, that uh, the website for Greywater Gorillas is graywatergorillas.com. I'm going to spell that because it's gray gets two different spellings <laughs> depending on <laughs> what country you're in or just your preferences. So it's G R E Y 
uh, and then water, and then it's gorillas, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A-S, that variant of gorillas, not the other gorilla. So, mm-hmm. um, so jumping back into our earlier discussion, uh, we were talking about these systems and their reuse, uh, the reuse of water. And I wanted to ask you about some of the household products that people can be still using in a gray water system that it would, it would still be safe to, to do that. So some of your product recommendations there. Yeah, and so it's really important to know what's going down the drain when that's going outside to irrigate your plants. And definitely, you know, no toxins, nothing like bleach or things that kill um, organisms, because that'll kill soil organisms. And then there's two other things that are very common and not toxic to people, but are toxic to plants, and that's salt. So um, anything with salt or sodium in it is not good for the plants. And boron or borax, which is a non-toxic, you know, cleaning product that's really commonly used in like seventh generation and other really common um, laundry products. And so you have to avoid those two things hmm. because they're damaging to the plants and to the soil. And that might come as a surprise to some people because seventh gen is a great example of a company that's uh, very, very popular with uh, yeah. people in the environmental movement and just people that are, you know, go to Whole Foods and want to get something that's a little more, bit more eco groovy. Um, yeah. So that's, that's good information. Because salt, you know, salt is not is fine for us. We eat it every day, and it's fine to put in the ocean, but it's not fine to put on your soil. So that's why gray water is really a specific. It takes some really specific things to make it a, a safe and healthy system. So you really have to pay attention to, to this. You can't just sort of sit, set it up and forget it and not pay attention to what you're doing, what you're putting down your drain. Exactly. Hmm, interesting. So what are the, some of the, you mentioned urban myths earlier. Uh, what are some of the urban myths and common misnomers that, that people have about, uh, about gray water systems? Um, one th- thing that's really common, and this kind of came about when the first codes are being rewritten and gray water was seen as this really dangerous substance, kind of like water from the sewer system, which, you know, is actually, you know, can transmit lots of diseases, but gray water is much safer, and as long as it's used properly, it's totally safe. So one of the myths was that it needed to be treated like a septic system, so there was a, like, storage tank that settled out solids and then leach lines, which, you know, it's basically septic system technology, which is very inappropriate for a gray water system. Whereas with a gray water system, the best thing to do is send it onto mulch or organic matter. So any, anything that's in it, like, or, you know, food or lint can just compost on the ground and then the water is purified as it's soaking through the soil and it's totally safe for plants. Um, it's important that you don't discharge it near streams or other freshwater sources because gray water has nutrients in it. So one of the myths is, oh, it's dirty. We have to clean it first before we send it outside to the landscape, um, which is, you know, the dirt in the gray water is not going to harm the plants. And anytime you're trying to clean it or filter it or do something to it first, you're having a more complicated system and there's more things that will go wrong. So, Laura, I understand that Gray Water Gorillas does presentations and hands-on workshops about gray water use and ecological sanitation uh, to teach people about these concepts and how to set up these types of systems. I'd be curious if you'd be willing to share about, uh, you know, where you're doing these workshops, how often, and if you would, you know, some of the things that you're teaching people. Yeah, so we do hands-on workshops, and that's a way that people can come and learn about the concepts of gray water and then also see a whole system built from start to finish. So we build systems in people's homes as part of the workshop. And uh, someone hosts it, so it's, it's always in a different house because we're, you know, constantly building systems. And a group of people, usually between 10 and 20, come, and we, you know, learn together, and then we break up into groups and build the different parts of the system so people get to see all the aspects. And when we leave, there's a finished system. So it's a really great way to um, help each other, you know, learn and, and build, and then also help people get gray water systems in their houses. 
we do them mostly in the Bay Area. We go to Southern California sometimes, and we do off, sometimes are in other states. But we're Bay Area focused. And if people want to learn more, they can look on our website. We have the workshops listed on the dates that they're occurring. That's great. And so, so it's been. It sounds like it's mainly been a grassroots sort of home to home thing in, in California. Do you guys have any s- sort of standard uh, curriculum or materials that people in other parts of the country might be able to utilize to sort of host their own? Or would you be? Yeah, you, you, go ahead. That's something that we're developing now. Um, there's a huge need, and we're developing a program where we can help people become installers because people are always coming to us asking from different parts of the state and country, like, who can install a system for me? And if they're not local, there's very few people we can recommend. So we're right now developing a training program for installers. And then in the future, we want to be able to support you know groups like ours starting up in other places. So the materials, all that is kind of a work in progress, and we're keeping it on our website people can have access to it. That's great. So here, a question that always comes up with anything related to modifications or new products is cost. And so I'm not going to pin you down or hold you to it, but can you give us a range at least of maybe of, of costs that people can expect to implement these types of systems? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the most simple systems can be very, very low cost if you can find salvage materials and do some of the you know very basic ones, you know, less than $50 even. Wow. Um, getting a little more a little more complicated, but not too much. Still staying the, the low tech systems. Materials can cost around between 100 and 200. Um, you know, depending on the size and scale, it can go up to a, you know a couple hundred more. And then these are all the low tech simple systems that we focus on with Greywater Gorillas. And okay. there's a kind of whole other side to Greywater, which is I'll call it the high tech systems that is pretty complex and can you know filter clean the water, send it through drip irrigation systems, so it can really be um, implemented in within existing, you know, drip systems and taken up to like the commercial scale level. Those kind of systems, you know, cost between five thousand and twenty thousand dollars depending on the size. So there's kind of two levels, like the low tech simple systems, really letting nature do most of the work. There's no filters, no not a lot of extra uh, bells and whistles, and then the other systems that are more complex and the cost goes up. Right, right, and I know they have like bathroom specific systems. Like I know companies like Aquas have has one. Um, we're starting to see the penetration more into the consumer market with, you know, more sort of visibly advertised products in this area too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and gray water for indoor use, in my opinion, it's it's definitely best suited for larger scale like apartments or, you know, industrial level things where there's a lot more water and not a lot of landscape need, and then that water makes a lot of sense to send it back inside for toilet flushing. But in most household levels, since there is outdoor irrigation. It's so much simpler and cheaper to use that water to out- irrigate outside rather than try to create a system like the aquas that has filtering. It also has uh, chlorination, which is you know has heard a lot of problems with those kind of systems with homes smelling like chlorine, and mm. it's, it's a more complicated, more things to go wrong. Whereas you could just much simply, simplerly send that water outside. But yeah, there's definitely a bunch of new, um, new and, and old businesses that are trying to sell products to be used for gray water. Now, I know that, and this is really cool that you guys focus on helping even, you know, homeowners do this themselves, DIYs. I'm curious, are you seeing from your perspective and your corner of the world a lot of more professional installers uh, getting trained? I mean, outside of, you know, Berkeley sort of its own area, <laughs> like it's a little bit more progressive, you know, in these in these areas than other places. But are you seeing generally more uh, plumbers and, and plumbing professionals asking questions about these types of systems? 
Yeah, there's a lot of interest, and that's one of the reasons we're starting an installer's program because there are so many people that want to be trained, and our, our workshops are usually only one day, which is not long enough. We have also done a two-day class with the Solar Living Institute, which is you know more, but mm -hmm. still not quite enough. So we're developing a five-day class right now that will be available to people who want to do this professionally and really give them you know, the, enough information so they can go out and do it on their own. Well, that's um, a lot. You know, some of the simple systems you don't need. You don't need a week. You can learn about it in just a one-day workshop. But there is, you know, many kinds of gray water systems that are appropriate for different situations. So we want to give people that range of options. Well, that's great. Well, we certainly encourage people in this area to uh, attend the workshops and check it out. Uh, the website again is graywatergorillas.com, and that's G-R-E-Y Water Gorillas G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A-S dot com. And do you, do you guys have a phone number as well or just the, the website? Just our website. Okay. Great. And it, well, it's great, great information, Laura. It's been a real pleasure and I really support what you're doing there at Great Water Gorillas and encourage people to go to the website and ask questions whether you can attend a workshop or not. Uh, learn more about Great Water Systems and what they can do for you. And uh, again, just want to thank you for being on the program with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. More great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.